welcome to this week's episode of From the Lighthouse. This week we'll be talking to the editorial group of the English department's undergraduate online journal, The Quarry. Hi everyone, this is Jodie. Uh, today we're recording a podcast for The Quarry Journal, Macquarie University's publication for final year students in a creative writing de degree. Um, I'm here today with some of the editorial team. On my left is Emily. Hello, I'm Emily. Um, I don't write in a particular genre, but I'm in my final year of this degree and I'm an editor for the quarry. Yeah, we also have Claire. Hi, um, I write in fantasy and women's lit and uh, my role is an editor as well as the social media team. Yeah, and in front of me is Ailish. <laughs> uh, I'm also part of the editing team and um, doing social media. Um, I like to write um, fantasy fiction mainly, and I have a particular interest in British folklore. Yeah, and for me, I like a lot of uh, trash romance, a bit of weird fiction, a <laughs> bit of fantasy, a <laughs> bit of everything. Um, we also have joining us two of the contributing writers for issue 15, uh, Zoographia. Uh, on my left, we have Thomas. Uh, hi, I'm Thomas Moss. I tend to write magical realism, horror, comedy, and, and blends of all of the above. And we also have Matt. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Matt Burns. I, uh, I've always enjoyed experimenting with genre, never really settled on a specific spot, but my favourites have been things like fairy tales, fantasy, and a little bit of horror. Yeah, so I believe we are all final year students, yes? Yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of getting there. Um, the class we're doing this for is Angle 390. How has everyone found this unit so far? Um, I've enjoyed it. Um, I found it really interesting looking at all the different journals because I didn't realise there was quite so many, particularly Australian journals. Um, so that was really fun to you know have a look through those and I've been um, applying to competitions and submitting to them and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a very positive experience with it. I think it's pretty interesting how closely aligned it is with the actual idea of publication. I had no idea that it was that complex and how many different avenues there were to explore with it. So it's been a very interesting experience. Yeah, my experience is good. Um, I didn't focus a lot on the publication side, but it's good to keep practicing writing and workshopping and getting ideas. Yeah. It's been a good blending of the, the familiar workshopping that we've been doing throughout the entire course, really, and sort of merging that with some extra focus on the publication and editorial side of things. Yeah, I took the unit last year, so it seems like it's changed quite a bit since then. But I think it's so important because you can finally put all of your skills that you've learned together in one, one big thing that gets published at the end and you get to showcase everything that you've learned so yeah yeah I'm very nostalgic about it um, having sort of started to shift into the real world <laughs> I've noticed how little people care about your writing um, and in this environment it's a luxury to have people forced to read your work for <laughs> a participation yeah. mark um, so I've been enjoying that <laughs> and I'll miss it um, maybe we, all of us will be writing a story for this issue uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about our story and what it's about. So my story is called Nude Lipstick by Quack. It's about a girl with a rat's tail. Um, she works at a marketing company and 
she hides her rat's tail because this is a world where everyone is human but they have a weird or not weird but unique animal trait um if you're what i call an avian and you have wings you're on top if you're like my main character and you're a little rodentia i call it um it's not great so she navigates that world yeah that is spectacular when you first said rat tail i thought you meant like a little Right. Oh, no. I thought that too. <laughs> like a little, little plait hanging down. Yeah. No, just to clarify, a literal rat tail, like that she hides under her clothes. Gotcha. Okay, so it's not scaled up to the size of the human. It's just a regular rat-sized tail. Oh no, 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 it's not a tiny rat. It's a real. That it's would make it a little like bit a easier. Human-sized rat tail. Just as weird though. Yeah. <laughs> um, this theme is very much open to interpretation, and I feel like we've all interpreted it in really unique ways. <laughs> Yeah, so Thomas, tell us about your story. Um, okay, so mine is the classic tale of Leda and the Swan um, from Greek mythology set in a more modern perspective. Um, it, it ties into the theme by including, well, I mean, I suppose you've got, you know, Zeus is known for his, like, animal transformations and, you know, taking different forms. And uh, I, I wanted to look at this because the original story story sort of casually looks at what I consider to be the animalistic trait of, you know, sexual violence. Um, and it's treated as just a side note in the origin story of Helen of Troy, who then goes to, you know, be the face that launched a thousand ships. Um, so I wanted to do a modern take on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, sort of explore, you know, where we are as a, as a people. It, it's very male-focused, so, you know, the male role in the, in the sexual... Yeah, the yeah. male gaze is strong <laughs> in your story. Yeah, yeah. So I Quite wanted literally. to, yeah. yeah so I, I wanted to sort of observe that and uh, you know comment on where we are as a as a people as a society. Yeah, reading it was really interesting as well because it definitely was very male focused. But I liked that it wasn't stereotypical as well. It just sort of felt very expressive of you know the male place in the the hierarchy without being like decided on any either way. Yeah, yeah. No, I was trying to. Um, sometimes I'll do what, what I call Trojan horsing, where I'll, I'll use you know comedy and treat a serious topic very very casually, to so sort of draw in the reader who would treat those sort of topics very casually, and then try to hit them with the other, drop the other foot, and like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think Ailish um, interpreted the theme a bit differently. So a lot of us focus on normal animals, but you focused on a mythological yeah. creature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my story is called Chasing Eve, uh, and it's about um, a selkie who goes and looks for her sister who has gone missing. Um, she ends up in like the rugged kind of landscape of Wales and um, goes into a shop where this guy sells all manner of magical creatures um, illegally um, <laughs> and so she's trying to look for her sister and um, she ends up getting more than she's bargained for it's you know and sad but it kind of talks about um, the way we think about animals and the way we treat animals and even with you know pets and like that sort of thing which I mean I have pets as well but you know other animals so like factory factory farming and that sort of thing yeah, and it's um, from that like animal perspective. Yeah, um, no, just reading yours as well. Um, it, the research that you show was really interesting because like 
the way you talked about it, like the the folklore is a big part of it, but it's also the relationship of like animals to humans and mm. like how casual it is for some. And then when you have your narrator speaking on obviously the other side of the spectrum, like it's very clear that they don't approve of what's going on, but mm. it's such a casual thing that it isn't even brought up, which is really interesting. Yeah, I really uh, like I've mentioned before, really enjoy. Um, uh, British folklore in particular and um, just doing all the research and kind of implementing that but um, putting the magical world in terms of uh, and the focus on animals into our real world into our real world as well because set in Wales but like the magic's there and then the human world's kind of like it's, it's in within everything <laughs> yeah well mine's a little less serious <laughs> I would describe it as suits meets Zootopia I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the initial idea was the uh, personality traits that you find in people can also be found in animals. Um, so the world is, um, or the story world, is a law office and or a law firm and everyone working there are animals and all the stereotypical traits that you'd associate with like sharks or pigs or lions or whatever, um, are looked at but also flipped a little bit. So when they're put in um, an office environment, those traits become really um, exaggerated, but then uh, kind of looking at how um, people's personalities are different when they're around other people. Wow. Yeah, I really loved your story reading. Oh, thank it. you. Yeah, <laughs> it was really cool seeing um, how uh, the animals um, would react if they were kind of like in a human environment and they were able to, um, yeah, communicate and have um, the sorts of things that we do, like in the law office and stuff. Yeah. So I really liked that the humour with that. Too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> cool. Uh, so my story is. The complete other side of that spectrum. Yours is, you said, very lighthearted mm. and sort of, yeah. Mine's not bad. <laughs> Mine is about a demon that takes the form of animals to entice humans to get their souls. It's a very classically, classically told story and it has a lot of, you know, um, inspiration behind it. Uh, in particular, one of my characters, the, the main character that's being enticed by the demon is based on the Norse story of Skadi the Huntress, whose father t- took different animal forms to train her how to become a hunter. Um, and I really wanted to embrace the Zagrafia theme by basically interrogating what it means to be human and the idea that there's not really much of a difference between humans and animals. Um, we can see throughout the story, you know, the demon is sort of enticing her and to trade her humanity for power. And by the end of the story, she hasn't become anything more different than any, uh, any other kind of predator you might encounter in the wild. And it's that idea that, you know, there's very little separating us from what animals are and how they thrive, basically. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. How um, did you find the process of workshopping your piece? So we've all had about nine weeks since we started that we've spent with our stories. Mm. Um, How has your piece evolved? It's definitely changed a lot. When it was first created, um, my characters were very different. Um, In particular, the character, her name is Lauren, by the way, who is the girl that the demon came after. She was initially a much more passive character who was sort of meant to represent humanity in that way, but I eventually sort of changed her to more closely align with that idea of animal nature. So she, instead of being just a young, a much younger girl who's injured in bed after an accident, she's now, 
still injured, but she used to be a huntress and she was like a big part of like the village society at the time. It was set in like the 17, 1800s. And um, in general, I sort of changed the focalization a lot more in it as well. It used to be just from omniscient third person kind of view, but then it ended up changing to be from the perspective of the demon actually talking to the reader about potentially replacing Lauren as it's basically the origin of, of witchcraft in, in that kind of way and sort of, I'm not sure, sort of replacing her in that hierarchy. And it changed quite a lot because <laughs> a, my first draft was absolutely terrible. It wasn't. I, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Uh, my first draft was also terrible. Um, in my current story, like I said, I have sort of humans with animal traits. In the original story, there were humans with animal traits, but also animals, <laughs> which is a little illogical because it was that, well, can a person with a pigtail eat bacon? Um, oh. <laughs> it was the conundrum. <laughs> so my character initially in the original is so desperate, desperate to be an avian that she goes and murders a swan and oh, wow. steals its wings <laughs> and stitches them to her back. Um, and who ha- among us hasn't that done that? <laughs> and, and who hasn't had that urge? Um, so definitely through workshopping, I some people were a bit disappointed that I took that out, but I think I came together with like a clearer, more also like magical realism elements, but not so far out there that it's out of the realm of fantastical possibility. Yeah, mm. Did anyone else's work go through some pretty drastic changes? Um, mine didn't change so much, I guess. I, when with my first draft, I didn't realize I had an issue with Story World. I thought I had done enough, and then I was like, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, just building on my main character and kind of the whole magical world, um, it's quite difficult to fit something like that in such a smaller piece. So you have to make sure you um, include things that are quite specific that will tell you enough without just throwing a whole heap of information and people getting annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the difficulty of doing any fantasy, sci-fi, anything otherworldly in a short story because yeah. you just yeah. need to be super economical with how you deliver the world itself. Mm. The amount of times my high school English teachers wrote too much exposition in big <laughs> red pen across my work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think they also drill it into you from the start of the degree that drafting and workshopping your piece is probably the most important tool that you have. And at the start, I didn't believe that, but by the end, I really saw like the benefit of showing people your piece and gaining their reaction and how you can make it better. Um, and it's always, always sometimes painful <laughs> um, when, when you think it's great, but it is beneficial in the end. Yeah, it's such a vital process to get it's eyes on so the story. Yeah. I mean, you as the writer will have your own vision of what you think you're yeah. doing. Yeah. That somebody else will come along and say, oh, actually, <laughs> yeah. sir, Especially me. with fantasy. Yeah. Because you know the world within your own head. Yeah. But sometimes it's difficult to get all the information on the page. Yeah. Well, it's crazy how fickle all of us as writers are as well. Like, I, I can't speak for everyone, but when I, when I write things, I'm so determined that what I'm writing is pretty good or at least possible. And then I write it and I get it out and I look at it in like a day or a week and I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Who wrote this? <laughs> Honestly, I just disown it. <laughs> yeah. How did we all like decide to be- want to become writers, do we think? Because <laughs> we're all at this point now. So maybe what sparked your interest in writing, Emily? 
I think, I mean, I'm, I'm that person that always wrote little stories when I was small. Um, I found one the other day and it was total trash. Should have workshopped that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've always been interesting, interested in writing and I didn't start off writing. Um, I changed to the creative writing degree, but it was the best decision I ever made because although it's not um, going to promise you a career afterwards, it's, um, it's just such a great degree because it teaches you so much. And it does teach you skills that you don't learn otherwise. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I got a bit scared when you were talking about the real world. I'm inside this little bubble of literature at the moment. Yeah. Can we not pop that, please? Yeah, here we are surrounded by writers talking about writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever anyone asks me, like, oh, so what do you study? I'm like, books, and we just talk about our feelings. Yeah. Yeah, that's my degree. <laughs> so what do you want to do when you finish? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. Well, don't ask me that. <laughs> There's just one acoustic guitar away from it being like a bunch of hippies around a campfire kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, my interest in writing is probably very similar to everybody. Mine's similar to yours as well, Emily. Um, yeah, I've always wrote since I was small. I kind of I had a book when I was seven, and I've still got this book. It's like blue and it's got little flowers on the front of it. But um, yeah, I used to write uh, um, stories about animals and stuff, and some Harry Potter stuff when I started getting into <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, some like uh, Draco Harry fanfic. Oh my god. Fanfiction before it was cool. <laughs> start that trend <laughs> um, and yeah from then on I've always had an interest in writing but um, and I did some creative writing in high school but I didn't really kind of go back to it for quite a while I did some other stuff um, and then uh, I was I've been thinking about doing the creative writing major for a couple of years before I um, started at Macquarie and then after a while I was just like yeah I'm just gonna do it because I absolutely love writing and yeah. it's what I've always wanted to do I feel like it's like it's almost like you want to be a writer and you resist the pull and you resist it and it's unrealistic <laughs> it's like, and yeah. it's not feasible and then you just give in and you're like, I'm just oh, going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a proud badge to wear though. Because like mm-hmm. when you're not decided on whether or not you're going to do it, you're like, oh, it's stupid, I'm not going to do it. And then when you're in uni studying it and people are like, what do you do? I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel quite confident enough to have that label uh, yet. <laughs> I think I've definitely talked about my degree being English as opposed to I creative writing. Yeah. What do you study? English literature. Yes. <laughs> because that's professional. Much more prestigious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I, I think we've all said, you know, we all started at a very young age mm-hmm. with writing. For me, it's interesting because I was never really into writing as a whole. I was never very good with words. Um, I actually only started writing in year three, but before then... I just I love stories, but I didn't really care how they were made. But we had a, a task where we had to just write something about space was the theme, and I wrote a poem about it. And I got sent to the uh, got sent to the principal's office, and I was like, did I, did I say something wrong? You know, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the planet Uranus or something. I wasn't sure. And I got a principal's uh, yeah, exactly. I was in year three at the time, but I got a principal's award for it apparently, wow. and I was very shocked by that. And I was like this could be something I do. And here we are, basically. <laughs> it's funny that, like, sometimes that little bit of external validation makes you realise that, oh, crap, actually, maybe I've got some potential here. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I think stories, for me, rather than wanting to write, has been the influence, because mm. I love TV a lot. Mm. But, like, the stories within 
the shows and the relationships and the struggles and and everything like that and writing is a way that I can reproduce my own um, stories. Ironically, it's probably also, I don't know if you all are the same, but it's destroyed my ability to just sit down and watch or Thank read. You. Or... Someone else oh, said it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I can't enjoy media without mm. seeing it as yeah. a storyteller now. Like, mm. You know, you see the devices, like, you know, somebody pulled back the wizard's curtain and now you can see what's going yeah. on behind the scenes. Yes. I've become very good at, like, guessing where things are things going. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is where this arc is going. Like, I know it. Like, this character has to have uh, this ending. Mm. Oh, we're in the third act now. Really. <laughs> it's interesting, then, looking at where we're going now as university students and, like, pretty much everyone that I've read or heard about, like, tries to subvert the general conventions in some way because... So many stories have been told to death, and so pretty much every workshop I've ever read has taken a concept where you're like, oh, I know where this is going, and then by the end it's in a completely different direction. I think you can take that um, too far as a writer sometimes, (laughs) if any of us have probably watched Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, God. (laughs) There's such a thing as over-subverting, I think, an audience's expectations. Sometimes it's nice to just... Be given what you expect yeah. out yes. of the story. I think. Yeah. When you, you take expect so long a to... big ending and you get a really small <laughs> one. <laughs> when you expect an epic, epic death by Cersei and you yeah. get a pile of rubble. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> it's happening! <laughs> oh, spoilers. Oh. Mm. I, I mean, me personally, I've always had a lot of like opinions on life, and uh, I think writing is a pretty healthy way to express that rather than just complaining a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I do <laughs> both. But mm. At least in this way, I get marks and awards for it rather than yeah. being hit in the face. <laughs> and those, I feel like those kind of awards are important to our sort of sense of how we write and our careers in a sense. Um, it's one thing, I think I can say I'm a writer, but to be able to say I'm an author has yeah. an extra level of uh, yeah. prestige to me, I think. Which is why this unit is exciting, because I've never had anything actually published before. Mm. And now, you know, something that I've created will be in the world for other people to see. That's really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, just the thought of down the line... You know, it, like, if you do pursue it as a career even more so, but, like, even just down the line, the thought of somebody years in the future just going through random magazines or something looking for a story or something to read, and they find your work, and maybe that inspires them or inspires some thought in them mm-hmm. to do something similar or to change the way they feel is such a, a magical thing to me. I don't know. It's really, really interesting that, you know, words have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Kind of connected to that. I found it really interesting that you said, Ailish, that you re- wrote Harry Potter things. Yeah. <laughs> I think in like year seven, I decided I was going to rewrite Jane Eyre wow. <laughs> by myself, a new version. And I was wondering whether that was like a thing or whether I was just crazy. And so knowing that you wrote Harry Potter yeah. things kind of makes it seem like. I'm yeah. not alone. Yeah, you just love so much. You're just like, oh, I have to make, yeah, I have to make my own. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Jane Eyre, some of us might have done the unit narrative in the novel. Yep. Um, Angle 303. And in that unit, we study a book that essentially reimagines, uh, well, not reimagines, but brings Jane Eyre to life in a different way. So it's funny to think that you can actually legally take a character (laughs) (laughs) and a story. Without being sued. Without being sued, yeah. (laughs) Once it's creative commons, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and make it your own. 
Do we have a favorite book or a favorite series, or is that something that sparks intense emotional conflicts? <laughs> it's like um, asking, do you have a favorite limb, to be fair? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my left arm. But. Wow. <laughs> that was a quick choice. Yeah. <laughs> you, you thought this through. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Does anyone have like a book series that's inspired them? Other than, other than Harry Potter. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, the room's about to be empty in a second. <laughs> no, um, I can't really say books, but I can definitely say the work of different authors has um, inspired me quite a lot. Um, in particular, uh, Stephen King and Neil Gaiman are some of my favorite authors. Um, also, people like Tolkien and Edgar Allan Poe, but um, mainly just the way that they incorporate real-life ideas and mythologies and just concepts into these fantastical worlds and ideas that they create. It's that really awesome way of blending fiction and like the lessons and ideals they're trying to express. That's something that I, I would very much like to be able to do with my own writing. And seeing that you can do something like that and, you know, not, not just for the success of, of their stories, but also for just the recognition that their characters and the concepts that they create get, that's such a rewarding thing that I am immediately attracted to. Anyone? Any? No, we, none of us can name a, name a favorite series. I don't think. Well, I have a favorite book, but huh? you hate it. Oh, which one is it? Oh, no, it's nineteen eighty four. Okay, nineteen eighty four is the one book that we all had to read, right? Yeah, everyone's read that by force. But uh, it I makes you appreciate it more. <laughs> does Study it though? Does it? I don't think it was the best book. <laughs> I quite like it as well, so I understand. Don't yeah. hit me. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's a really good one, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Claire, you had some thoughts. <laughs> I just think uh, <laughs> oh, anything no, that makes you, no, anything <laughs> that makes you kind of uncomfortable is always interesting. Yeah, because that means there's an and issue that, that you need the to address. First one, like he, yeah, he wrote it absolutely in forty forty seven mm. or something. Mm. Isn't it 48? Cause well, it's it like was back. published in 48, but he wrote it in 48. Yeah. He tried. It's my favourite. <laughs> uh, for me, I mean, phenomenally written, but um, yeah, Winston, though. Yeah, <laughs> what a character. <laughs> Lived a hard life. Mm. It's, it's challenging and it's influential, but did I enjoy it? Not quite. <laughs> Hopefully you're not supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed yes. to become increasingly that's a, that's scared. Yeah. Yeah. The goal the, the, of every great story is to make you think, basically. Yeah. Like, um, when I first read it, I hated it because I had to study it. But then when going back and studying it later, it, it does inspire that thought of change, but also that sort of existential dread that that in many ways is human nature. To, and the idea that that might happen in the future mm-hmm. or even now is terrifying. I think maybe what I can't handle is such a negative reflection of society, be it realistic. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's good to have a balance. It's you true. know, all the dystopic YA stuff is all very, everything's bad, but the teenagers will win. Absolutely. <laughs> and the love. Oh, yes. The love and teen. All you need is a sarcastic romantic. Yeah. If I see one more love triangle, I am jumping out that reserve. <laughs> Because uh, we can't talk about Harry Potter, there's a book that I've read. <laughs> so I wish. About Harry Potter. <laughs> but, um, oh, <laughs> um, but a book I've read recently that I really liked the style of um, was The Binding by Bridget Collins. I don't know if it, yeah, you guys <laughs> But um, I loved the concept of it. It was um, if you ever, if there's anything that you want to forget or a bad memory, you can put it in, into a book. You go to a binder and they bind it into a book for you and you just 
completely forget about it. Wow. You'll never know your memory until the book is burned, um, which I absolutely loved. And you can kind of tell what happens. But I highly recommend it. It's really, yeah. yeah. And the, the writing is just beautiful. I'm just like, oh, makes me want to cry. <laughs> it's amazing just like one creative concept, concept and suddenly you've got an amazing story to tell. Mm. Like that's what's always drawn me to some of those really great stories. Um, it's not necessarily a book. It doesn't count. But um, Nightmare on Elm Street as a movie mm. um you know, it spawned a lot of movies and success from it, but something that I liked is just how abstract of an idea someone that kills you in your dreams and uses your nightmares as a weapon, you know, it could very easily read as just like a 14-year-old fan fiction that's like really <laughs> badly written, but someone's taken that and turned a really interesting story out of it. And I don't know, that's just so interesting to me. It's something like what you said as well, mm. like something like memory is something we all have exposure to and mm. taking that and turning it into something like that is just so interesting. Yeah, mm. the movie freaked me out. But oh. like, <laughs> the original one always like running like this and I was like, no. I love that. <laughs> I think that's probably what the best stories do. Like they'll have a concept like you go to sleep and die, but it taps into this existential dread where, yeah. you know, oh, maybe I do die when I go to sleep and maybe it's a different person waking up in the morning and, you know, mm. get the whole ship of Theseus thing going on. Yes. <laughs> it's just that like... The, the good story just dragging those fears inside you that i think already exist in everybody but we mm. don't really want to encounter them and like not even just fears but like emotions and like happiness and like things you're excited by things that make you uncomfortable like you know 1984's governments or anything <laughs> like that so it's really interesting for me um if I had to pick a favorite book series it would be uh Sherlock Holmes I know if you guys have read some of those mm-hmm. um to that point of like where I think books are unique, unlike movies, is that you're thrown into the consciousness of a character. Like, you get to see how another person thinks. Um, and I like to see how, I suppose, how Watson thinks more than Sherlock. But <laughs> I think if I was on a desert island and I wanted to stay sane and logical, I would bring a sh- the anthology of Sherlock around me. Not Sherlock himself, he just makes it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would bring Sherlock to the island. You would think. He'd leave me there, but. Yeah. Sherlock seems like the kind of guy to say, well, using the three materials we already have, I've already made my way off the island. I'm not going to help you, you figure it out. Yeah, that's true. Or he just fashions some cocaine out of a stack of coconuts. And Absolutely. <laughs> he just has a fun time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, any final thoughts, I suppose, to add? Um, I've really enjoyed our theme. I love animals anyway, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to be really good. Um, but I found it really interesting reading everybody's stories, how everybody interpreted the theme quite differently. Mm. I usually like writing magical kind of things, so I kind of stuck with that. But, um, yeah, everyone's was, like, quite different to mine, so that was really cool. Fair enough. It was um, I definitely, like, this unit has been interesting because it's really much impressed upon me as, as an author, how much you can change because of your story as well and how you can grow for the experience of writing. Because we all know, having read things, how they can change you as a reader. But when you're writing something and seeing these characters you've created grow and change, you sort of feel your ideas and opinions on things evolve as well until you're a completely mm. different person for the experience, which is something I wouldn't have gotten without this unit. So it's very exciting. Um, I guess it's just always interesting to see how people interpret the topic like you said yeah people flip it on its head and turn humans into the animals and bring in aliens and 
all fun things like that. <laughs> Yeah, people but... turn into buds and try to have sex with people. Yeah. Basically, which <laughs> I, I, that occurs to me that sounds condescending. I really do like your story. That's It's not about furries, listeners. <laughs> it's not about furries. So that one is called uh, Liam and the Swan. Please check it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would be very happy if you did, dear listener, but, you know, I promise it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> no, I'm very excited to read it again, honestly. <laughs> very well written it is it is um yeah so i think that's that's all for today you guys can check out more on our facebook and twitter page both under the name the quarry journal um for me also this experience the experience of this unit has been fantastic it's not often that you get to sit with a cohort of like writers and friends and talk about your work and have them read it I feel like leaving this atmosphere is very sad and nostalgic. Because um, yeah. who's going to read your pieces after yeah, this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> who, who am I going to like force to like sit down for a few, a few good hours and read, read my, my... 3,000 words, please. Yeah, um, <laughs> just to talk about maybe some other writing events. We have NaNoWriMo coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, that'll be fun. Okay, I think that's it for today. If you want to find out more about The Quarry, you can see our Facebook page, uh, which is under the title The Quarry. Or our Twitter page, which is at the at the Quarry MQ. The journal will be published on November eighth, or around that time, <laughs> depending on how we go. Um, they'll be published on the QuarryJournal.com website. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Today we had Ailish, Matt, Claire, Thomas, Emily, and me, Jody, and that's it for today. Thank you very much for having us. Bye, thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From the Lighthouse. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast.